Hello there. Thanks for joining me in the Psychology Report. Hey, what about anger? Let me uh, direct your attention to the issue of anger. You know, we all get angry. We all have times of anger. We all have people that create anger within us, and we have anger towards them every time we see them. They remind us of anger. You know, anger is a very strong emotion. It's probably one of the most motivating and powerful emotions we have. We do silly things when we're angry. We do destructive things when we're angry. We do hurtful things when we're angry. We do illegal things when we're angry. You know, rape, as an example, is an act of anger. The anger is underneath all that behavior pattern which leads to rape. You know, people who bully, you know, are, they're angry. They're angry kids or angry people. You know, anger is, let me just kind of comment for a moment about anger, because anger is a, um, a scale, a 10-point scale, if you think of it this way, is that it's in a strong emotion. But, you know, there are extremes. You can be extremely angry, and on a 10-point scale, be up at 9 or 10, and maybe engage in rage behavior. Road rage might be an example of that. But ra rage behavior that would just... Uh, lead you to be unreasonable and unthoughtful and, un, and illogical in how you treat somebody because you're so mad. You're so mad at them and so uh, disgusted with them that you act out in an extreme form of anger to the point that it is uh, irrational to the situation, way beyond what is called for. That's anger at the highest level, rage. But then at the low level, Anger would be like being irritated or just being disturbed or distressed. You see? In the moderate ranges of anger, it would be something like being um, upset or bothered or uh, distressed in some kind of way that would uh, promote you to avoid somebody or promote you to think ill of somebody and want to get even, even, and revenge. You know, thoughts of that nature are kind of moderate range. At the high range, yeah, you probably act out of revenge. But in the middle ranges of anger, around four, five, six, you might think of revenge but not carry it out. You might think of getting even but not carry it out. So anger is a uh, very negative and strong emotion, but but we range you know, from low levels to very high levels. And you need to be aware of your own anger level. You need to monitor your own anger level. You know, when are you at a 10? When are you at a 9? I hope never. You know, 10, I mean, people kill. You know, people will hurt and maim other people when they're at a 10 on a 10-point scale. That's when anger really turns into the most destructive behavior of all. But when, when are you at 4 or 5 or 6? When are you at 1 or 2? Where do you range in your anger behavior, your anger feelings? You know, what would be the most prevailing number that represents you, where you think, the way that you feel, and the way that you act towards people? And who is it that promotes you to have an anger feeling of 7 or 8? And who is it that promotes you to have an anger feeling of 5 or maybe one of 2 or 3? You know, who are the people in your life that have different levels of irritation towards you and create that within you? You know, when do you exert an answer of anger towards somebody? When you just revenge and you overpower somebody? When do you do that? 
when you just think anger thoughts towards somebody, you know, there are all these kind of things that we ha we do when we're mad. And what is your, what's your anger ratio? What's your anger level? What's your anger uh, prevailing mood and prevailing thought and prevailing behavioral pattern? You know, you need to get a hold of that. In therapy, when we meet with people in anger management and and um, domestic violence, for instance, as an example, one of the first things we do is to help the individual understand what anger is and how it's manifest, how it's shown, how it's uh, activated, and how they carry it within themselves and how they're prone to respond towards somebody else in anger. So that's the first aspect of a therapy program. Learn what anger is and how it manifests itself in your life. And when you are prompted to anger, motivated anger, challenged to anger, stimulated anger by somebody else, the Bible is very clear. Parents, you are not to provoke your children to anger. You are not to provoke your spouse to anger. You are not to provoke yourself you know, to anger. Very, very clear. Very clearly said. Non-negotiable. Parent, you have a role to be the peacekeeper, the peacemaker, the re anger-reducing parent, not the one that provokes anger within your home. Your home should not be a place of anger because of you. Okay, now, that's anger. What do you do when you're angry? Well, take a little time out. When you're aware that you're in, in an anger situation, take a few moments, stop, take a deep breath, count to ten, don't talk, don't react, don't argue, don't respond, don't get on your high horse. Just be quiet. Just think it through. Just take a walk. Just get away from them for the moment. So you're not dealing with somebody when you are at your high levels of anger. Because you're going to be very embarrassed, you're going to be very sad, and embarrassed and upset that you reacted as you did. So take a breather. If you have to go for a walk, go for a walk. If you have to wait until tomorrow, wait till tomorrow. If you have to have a little time to think about it, then take a couple days you know, to think about it. But anger, the first response, the first way that you handle anger is just take some time out. Don't act in anger. Don't let your anger just be the impulsive reaction that maybe you would like to do, would, would think about doing, but don't do it. All right? Well, we don't want the sun to go down in wrath either, you know, and that is you don't want to wait for days and days and days before you deal with it. But maybe you don't have to deal with it in the next 10 minutes. Maybe you don't have to deal with it for the next hour or two. Find a time when you can deal with it in a logical and constructive way, but immediately is usually not the time. When somebody provokes you to anger, you know, you can be angry, that's fine. But just don't act. Don't react. Think it out. Write it out. Take some time. Okay, number one. That's number one. Number two is, once you, uh, you feel calm, once you have achieved a level of calmness, then you can express your anger. You see, you have to learn how to be assertive. You can't express your anger if you're not assertive. If you're passive and you're... A person who avoids anger and angry situations, you're going to talk about it at any time. But to be assertive and to be able to express and to say to somebody, 
how you felt or how they made you feel or how you felt when a certain thing happened. But you can't say that immediately. You have to wait until you're calm. Then you can talk about that. And whether you write it out in an email or you write it out in a text of some kind or you speak it out or you write a letter or whatever, just take a little time before you get yourself into a place where you express your anger and your reason for your anger. So just take some time and then express it assertively as a kind of a second stage, you know, if you will. So you have to kind of recognize. In therapy, we also do this. We help people recognize when they're becoming angry. When anger is stirred up, or when it will be stirred up. We, we, we help people to really kind of appreciate and understand that there are certain triggers that lead to anger. There are certain people that will promote anger in you. There are certain times when you're going to be more angry than other times. It's to help people recognize. That's what therapy is all about. Not only what anger is, but when you are becoming angry. When the anger builds up. Sometimes it builds up pretty quickly. Your car goes from 0 to 100 in just a matter of a couple seconds. Or maybe the anger builds up very slowly over a period of time, and you have time to control it. If your anger builds up real, real quickly, you don't have time to get it under control. It's too late. You've lost it. So how you, what we want people to do in therapy is to recognize when they're angry or when they're becoming angry. Okay? So, calm down. Know that you're angry. And then, when you're calm, there's a proper time and a proper moment, and there's an openness, then you can express yourself. But here's how you express yourself. This is number three. We use what we call the I statements. See, a you statement is, you make me angry. You made me upset. You really threw my day off. You really blew it. You are really a jerk. (laughs) That's the you statements. What's that going to do? Well, it's going to make the person even more angry, right? Because you're accusing them. You're speaking in an accusatory manner. And um, you're promoting more anger by that way. So that's why we recommend what we call I statements. I statement is just simply this. I feel badly. I feel upset. I feel distressed. I feel bothered when you act in that manner. It is when you don't take out the garbage, when you don't help me with the dishes, or when you don't help me vacuum, or you don't volunteer to take our kids to an event, you don't offer to drive, you say, whatever it might be. I feel badly when you don't do X, Y, and Z. That's an I statement. Practice I statements. They don't come easily. We are usually better at you statements. You make me mad. You make me upset. We're always better at that one. We learned that one as a kid. But as an adult, we have to forget that one. We have to learn, unlearn that one and learn what we call the I statements. I just feel upset. I just feel badly. I just feel distressed. I just feel very disturbed. I feel very unrested. I feel very upset when you do X, Y, and Z or when you don't do something that I've asked you to do. I've asked you now four times and you haven't done it. I feel very badly when that happens. It just makes me feel very, very badly. Okay, that's high statements. Well, in therapy, that's what we do. You're in therapy, in anger management therapy, uh, or an anger anger management class, we teach you to make these I statements. We practice them. We get them so that they come out easier. They flow easier. 
so that you know that an I statement can be used and be, it will work, you see. So it's one of your tools in your anger toolbox is to be able to speak in what we call the I messages. That doesn't trigger any more anger. That reduces anger. So that's why we try to do that. Okay, now what's next? Well, we want people to learn how to relax when they're angry. When they're angry and as they're getting angry, we want people to learn how to just take a deep breath and relax. How to just calm down, walk slowly, talk slowly. You know, just be able to think certain words like calm and peace and tranquility and take it easy. Okay, those are words that we want people to say to themselves so they will calm down. Or go and put some music on that's relaxing. Slow music and relaxing music. Not real hype type of music, but that is which is relaxing in nature. That's what we want you, you know, to do. So if you can learn the skills of relaxation as you're getting angry, you'll control your level of anger, and therefore it'll be easier for you to deal with it and to resolve it and take care of it. Okay, what's next? Think before you speak. <laughs> Isn't that simple? Think before you speak. You know, if you're going to confront somebody who's made you angry. You better know what you're going to say. You better know what you're not going to say. Write it out. Outline it. Put down some key points on a piece of paper. But So think it through. You might even want to run it past somebody else and just tell them what you're going to say and get their feedback. So think it out beforehand. Just don't send the message. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. But think it out as if you were going to say it. As if you were going to respond. And that will help you kind of give, get your thoughts together. So that when you do say something, you'll say it more constructively and more rationally, okay? Also, get some exercise. Exercise helps. You know, it doesn't take care of the anger situation. I mean, people can be at you a man, you go exercise and they'll still get you mad. But at least it gives you a diversion. It gives you a, a way to change your focus for a few minutes. It's like calming down. And when you exercise, you release endorphins in your brain. And endorphins in your brain, when they're released, create a sense of relaxation. They're anti-anxiety uh, chemicals in your brain. So they relax you. They calm you down. So exercise is probably a good thing. 20 minutes, 15 minutes is all you need. You don't need a lot. It's enough to let the endorphins be released in the brain so that there's a sense of neurological calmness or neurological peace. So that when you deal with a situation, you can deal with it more rationally and more comfortably and under control. You know, whether you kickbox or you bicycle or you swim or you get on an exercise program of some kind or you take a walk or you get on a treadmill or you do weights or, you know, whatever it might be. Just get some exercise, but get those endorphins moving so you have that sense of calmness and peace within your brain and then within your body, okay? So that's, that's next. But, you know, don't do this. There's something not to do. Don't hold a grudge. You know, if you're going to talk about it and deal with it, resolve it, and then, of course, you won't hold a grudge. You've gotten it taken care of. But if you choose not to deal with it, now you've got a problem. Because if you choose just to keep it to yourself and not deal with it, you're going to keep a grudge going. You're going to feel a grudge. You're going to feel revengeful. You're going to really feel mad for a very, very long period of time. So you get that grudge within you. Now you have a choice. You can live with a grudge, or you can live with that grudge being released and relieved so that you can move on in life and 
have contact with this person again and go on in your marriage or go on in your family life without a grudge being uh, a major part of your relationship. So don't hold a grudge. Be careful. The only way you, don't, you can stop grudges is to deal with it. Sometimes people write about it, by the way, in a journal. They write their thoughts out. They journal them out. And then, after that, they kind of know how they think, they know how they feel, they know the words they want to say, and then they speak up and deal with it. So the grudge goes away, the words come so you know what to say and how to handle it. And journaling can be a very helpful thing when you're in an anger situation and you want to deal with that. Write it out first. Write out your speech. You know, write out what the point was that made this whole thing come about. And then you can deal with it more favorably and constructively. In therapy, what we try to do with people in anger is we also try to help them understand what triggers their anger. You know, if it's only one time you get angry, that's just maybe one event. But for people who are angry repeatedly or chronically all the time, there must be something that's triggering that. So we try to figure that out. What is the trigger? What is the situation that just promotes anger, you know, within you? And then help people kind of process it and deal with it and, and resolve it and live more favorably with the people around them. So lastly in therapy, what we try to do is help people learn how to respond to anger in a very manner that's controlled and healthy and constructive and rebuilding and rehabilitating. See, anger splits people apart. It kills people, basically. It, 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 it hurts. It implants a root of bitterness within people. But when you resolve anger, you bring out the very best of a relationship of kindness and and reconsideration, and uh, thoughtfulness, and peace, and cooperation, and coordination for the future. So, anger can cut both ways. It can motivate you to do something that will resolve it, and will improve the relationship, or it can promote you to just stuff it, and hide it within yourself, and then you just keep this grudge going. And you're going to be a very angry person for a long time, and that relationship will probably not survive. If it's a marital relationship, it probably will not survive. If it's a parent-child relationship, it probably will not survive. I was contacted not too long ago by a sister, uh, a lady whose whose sister, a lady whose sister, was 72 years of age and had a grudge and an unkind feeling towards her mother, who is now 99 years of age. So the lady that called me, the sister that called me, said, can you meet with my sister and my mother and get them together so we can have peace in our family, resolve that conflict that's prevailed now for 20 years? They haven't spoken to each other for 20 years. I was willing to do that. Unfortunately, the sister that was 72 that had a grudge to her mother, who was 99 years old and had a grudge for 20 years, said, no, I'm not going to meet. I don't want to meet. So in other words, she chose to continue the grudge for the rest of her life and certainly for the rest of the life of the mother because the death of the mother won't take that grudge away. That lady is going to be stuck with that grudge until she dies. And maybe she has another 10 or 15 or 20 years of life. She'll live with that grudge, unfortunately. So people do that. See, anger brings us to a point of choice. 
we can resolve it and get rid of it and deal with it and open up our life and open up relationships or we can close down relationships and keep them shut you know for the rest of our life depends on how we want to deal with it well that's been the psychology report today i glad to uh discuss this little topic with you i do so because it's very important many families live with anger many marriages don't survive because of anger parent-child relationships are destroyed because of anger they people leave churches because of anger people leave clubs because of anger people move from one town to another because of anger people rape people because of anger people kill people because of anger people steal because of anger you know people commit various crimes because of anger people smoke and get drunk and excessively use alcohol and other drugs because of anger drive when they're angry and have accidents and kill people because they're angry anger is a destructive destructive powerful force within our mind and soul within our heart I encourage you you're angry find somebody who will meet with you in therapy and get that thing taken care of hey this has been the psychology report and I say with me I do want to do this however point you to the Fresno rescue mission downtown Fresno this is the mission that deals with people who are homeless and uh, people who are without employment and without money and without a place to live and without food and clothing and shelter and so on they'll take them in and provide those basic elements of life but also put them into a training program so that they after a year's time they have a skill that they can go out and work and be competitive in the marketplace it might be a computerized skill they train in computer skills they also have a home for mothers and children who are homeless and um, it's a place for them to live and to get themselves back on their feet so that they can be a full-time mother and a good mother for their children so they train them in their mothering behavior and mothering skills at the same time so I recommend Fresno Rescue Mission and if you're not from Fresno well wherever you live there probably is a rescue mission somewhere near you become acquainted with it understand it but here's the deal send them a few bucks make out a check do it right now make out a check and send it to the rescue mission of your community tell them I said it you should do it okay <laughs> nice to be with you and bye for now